you today. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I tell you what, they're just, um, whether it be, whether it be uh, laughing together, praying together, worshiping together, it's just, uh, it's just a delight, I have to say, uh, to be with you and, uh, and to laugh with you and to um, show up late. Anyway, that, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where, uh, where life, uh, life just isn't compartmentalized, is it? It's not just one thing, uh, but it's everything. And I think today, in my own heart, uh, I got to delight in just about everything. And so, sure enough, uh, the one time I show up late, uh, I get to be, uh, get to have some fun with everybody. Um, it is, uh, it is interesting. I want to I, I highlight just maybe a couple things as we jump in. Because it really is, uh, it really is about being together, isn't it? And, uh, and the spectrum of all that, that what, what we're doing here and why our faculty and staff, why we get up and try to cultivate an environment for you is uh, for one main goal. And that, that is we would proclaim Christ and that we would present you mature in Christ on the day when he returns. And that the investment of his word in your heart would yield and... Uh, and we, we try to cultivate that in so many different ways here. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's an opportunity that, that we've designed to hear back from you. Just wanted to let you know of what we have. Uh, it's a feedback. Uh, it's a feedback context that you can write to us. Uh, I want to hear from you uh, directly. And so if there's something that we, can, uh, that we can learn from, a perspective that you have on your experience here, uh, something by way of encouragement, something uh, by way of edification, something that we can improve upon, or something that we can see uh, that can really cultivate this place uh, to help you, uh, we want to hear from you. So if you go to the Student Life landing page on the left, there's a little link that says Give Feedback. And uh, we'd invite you to go and to find that there. And, uh, and you can give us your insight on just about anything. It just have, doesn't have to relate to student life, uh, but it can relate to anything of your experience. And we would be glad to serve you because uh, that's really why we're here is to do that. And so, uh, so if, you, if you have some input or some feedback that we, can, uh, that we can glean from you, that's open all the time. It's not just for a season now. Uh, it's actually been up for quite a while. Just wanted to remind you uh, that it's out there so that, uh, so that we can all join together to make this place uh, a place that would be of uh, great impact for you. And we'd love to hear from you. So please uh, take advantage of that uh, and reach out to us if you have some input uh, that can shape your experience here. Uh, because uh, this really isn't just, a, uh, just an undergraduate degree, Right? I mean, this, this place is not just about uh, accumulating credits so that you can get a piece of paper and walk across the stage. It actually is something greater than that, isn't it? Now, because everybody knows that there are simpler, faster, easier, cheaper ways to get an undergraduate education <laughs> than to do it here at Masters, right? Um, but there is something of greater gain in the priceless category. Something that, that yields not just in this life, but for life eternal. That is that you would have the opportunity to actually uh, be uh, in, in an environment, to be with one another with the singular goal of growing into the likeness of your master. And that can be in, uh, just experienced in so many different ways, right? Laughing together and crying together and looking at God's word together and serving alongside one another 
going and literally evangelizing around the world together, that there are so many opportunities. And they really are, aren't they? That, that they're just these, um, these design components to help you, not just to think biblically, but to live biblically. And certainly there are all kinds of examples for that. And we're surrounded by them. Uh, there, are, uh, there are countless good examples of how to grow and how to learn, how to develop comprehensively in your life, not just compartmentalize, but, but comprehensively to live a life that's distinctively biblical. There are great examples around us, and you're surrounded by them in the classroom and outside and in your local church and in your families. But there are also um, bad examples, aren't there? Um, there are a lot of bad examples that, uh, that are out there, right? Uh, even those of us who show up late to chapel, right? <laughs> there are bad examples out there that, um, uh, that are a cautionary tale. There are ones that when you see it played out, that the tragedy, the tragedy actually begins to evoke in you um, good lessons. So we can learn in all different kinds of contexts. We can learn it from good examples, and we can also learn uh, from bad examples. But all of them give us lessons. Lessons to learn, to, to, to learn what it really means to live out what we know to be true. What it, what it really means to have influence. Because in the end, the investment that you're making is not just in terms of your own, uh, your own capacities, but rather to leverage those for influence for true influence, true eternal influence, things that, that matter the most, God and his kingdom. And the Lord will call you uh, to positions of leadership, to positions of influence, and, and we're excited for that, and we see that. But in the end, it's not really about um, gaining a, a leadership position as much as it is influence. You see, because there are all kinds of leaders out there, Ones that have positions and titles and opportunities that actually have no influence at all. So in the end, what we want to invest in you is to be influencers. To take, and not just to consume the investment that you're giving here, but rather to, uh, but rather to give it and to reinvest that for true influence, eternal influence. And in the process of all of that, you're going to learn lessons of what that really means and, and how to do that. And so today we're going to get the opportunity to, to look at, to look at some, some good lessons, to good lessons from some bad examples. And uh, the great master teacher, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gives us that insight today. And so let's open our Bibles to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and we're going to get the opportunity to look at what are, these, what are these good lessons about what it means to have true influence? What are these good lessons that we can learn from bad examples? And hopefully that we might learn and glean from our Lord Jesus Christ on how to live differently in a way that would have true influence for eternal things. So let us look together, and I read the scriptures before us, starting in verse 1. And then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. 
They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings and in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So reads the very word of our living God to us today. And might we ask his help as we look into this study together. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we pray now that by your Spirit, that you might illuminate the very words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that has been given to us here in this passage. And might we, O God, be ones who can learn from all different kinds of examples, and even in this contest, those that are bad examples, that we might, O Lord, leverage our days and invest them well, so that we might be people who, in their whole being, would live out what you've designed us to be, and to influence others to taste and to see that you are good and the best, and that we can trust you. So Lord, help us now as we look at this passage, thinking about these things, and that you would guide our time together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as you look here in the context, it's really fascinating. As a matter of fact, jumping in here, that you're looking at uh, the Passion Week, that Jesus is right in the middle of Passion Week. He's come up and he has complete control of the temple. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees have all tried to kind of thwart Jesus. But he comes in and he has complete control. They're asking him all kinds of questions and really gets, uh, uh, gets summarized in the kind of the last crescendo of it in uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 34, where, where the, scribes, uh, the scribes came up and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor. Right? And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And he, and he silenced them all, that, that they had nothing else to say. They were trying to, it was almost like this epic battle of who was going to lead the people. Who was going to have the authority? Who was going to reign and to rule? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the established uh, authority of their day. They were the group that, uh, that the people and the community would look to uh, for authority, for insight, for direction, uh, and how to follow and to obey their God. They were the big hitters. They, they held possession, and especially within the temple. And here comes Jesus, the Messiah, and in a, in a perfectly established and clear way that he establishes himself as the authority. So if you can think about it, right? Kind of imagine yourself as one of the disciples in the crowd that's there. They're watching these two entities to say, who really is in charge? Who's really in charge? The Pharisees and the Sadducees certainly wanted to exert their leadership but Jesus was proving that he was the Lord Christ. 
and the very king of the Jews. And so it's within that context, and you can kind of see it, that, that maybe after this kind of this debate that was happening and the, the temple square was kind of was, was silenced, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of went off to their own and maybe kind of grumbling. And Jesus turns around and he says, look, look. Look at, how, look at how these leaders are trying to gain influence. Look at how these leaders are, are, are trying to exert their leadership and authority. But I don't, want you, I don't want you to do what they do. Clearly, what they represent is good. But the example that they have is bad. Because it's not just proclaiming things, but that out of the heart that you live those things. So you can see there very clearly that he turns to the scribes in verse 2. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees, that they sit on Moses' seat. That's a, essentially a place of teaching, almost like a pulpit in our context today. And so do and observe what they tell you, but not the works that they do. And so Jesus then gives us several lessons, good lessons from the bad example of the Pharisees. And here's the first one that I want you to see, the first lesson that Jesus gives so that we, uh, of what it doesn't mean to lead, what it doesn't mean to have influence, and rather that we might learn how to have eternal influence. The first lesson is this. Don't be compromised by hypocrisy. Don't be compromised by hypocrisy. Jesus turning and saying, look at the bad example, turning to the leadership and the disciples and saying, look, if you really want to have influence, lesson number one, don't be compromised by hypocrisy. Can see there in verse 3 for they preach but they do not practice they tie up heavy burdens too hard to bear and they lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger well, simply the leadership at the time didn't practice what they preached that they were that they were hypocrites that understanding of, uh, of, of hypocrite, it comes from the old Greek theater where, where an, uh, a person would come as an actor and would put a mask over their face as the hypocrite. That they would pretend to be something that they're not. And the leadership was actually acting one way publicly, but personally and privately, they lived a different life. Their influence was compromised by not being willing to apply what they prescribed. We all understand this, don't we? Haven't you seen people? People who tell you one thing, but then live a completely different way? They have absolutely no influence over you. But isn't it true the power of influence comes when someone actually lives out what they're calling others to do. It authenticates the truth. Now again, you live in a world where actually experience is truth. That isn't what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that there is truth and it gets verified by when somebody actually lives it out. It's one thing to say that, that you can get uh, harnessed up and all of the mechanics and the physics of what it means to uh, to jump off of a cliff and to and to rock climb and you can talk all day about how it all works but it's another thing to get yourself up on a rock and actually do it yourself powerful influence does not come by what you know but by what you believe and live out in your life 
And Jesus is highlighting this here. He's saying, look, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, but they themselves are not even willing to move a finger. True eternal influence knows that that calling people to righteousness is not about a list of tasks that you do, but rather it's understanding and knowing God's grace, isn't it? The power of eternal influence, the power of actually moving towards and caring for somebody else, of calling somebody to holiness is actually something that is not a burden that's hard to bear. But you always know, don't you? When somebody's being hypocritical with you, that the things that they're calling to you seem to be higher than what anybody can actually achieve. But the person who's actually experienced God's grace comes to you with a compassion and a care. They understand, they understand what Matthew 11, uh, 11, 28 through 30 says, that Jesus says that my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That somebody who actually understands what it means to, to experience God's grace is one that's able to move towards somebody else with compassion. Their influence was compromised. Because they had called somebody to a high standard, and it was so clear that they themselves didn't practice it. Because the standards that they have wasn't filled with compassion, care, nuance, detail. But isn't it true that the people who have influence over your life, ones in categories that are of most importance of eternal influence are the ones that are able to walk into your thinking because they themselves have tasted of what they're wanting you to taste and see first thessalonians five fourteen, that paul talks about that he says look you have to be able to understand who you're talking to if you want to have true influence, if you want to have influence that matters, that you, you're able to em, em, embark and to give to somebody what you yourself have tasted of. Paul says there, he says that you should admonish the idle and encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak and be patient with them all. Why? Because you know that God is patient with you. You know that as you are moving and trying to help someone and you're moving in influence that you are a leader, that you should call to people, not to something that you don't know, but rather to call and invite something that you already have experienced. So many times, so many times that leadership thinks that it's just about proclaiming standards and not leading and helping people. You can't, just, you can't just preach without practicing, and that's what it says here in this context, that, that the leadership was compromised, that their, their actions and their insights that they derived from the truth was not wisdom, but rather just self-selective self-preservation. The bad example is saying that this is what everybody should do, but I'm not going to do that. This is what everybody should believe, but, but I'm only going to believe this part of it. It was self-protection. But Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says that God is not mocked. In the end, you're going to reap what you sow. If you reap in the flesh, you're going, to, you're going to yield in the flesh. If you reap in the Spirit, you're going to reap in the Spirit. That's what it says. 
And what Jesus is saying here is he's pulling the disciples aside and he's saying, look, don't be compromised by your hypocrisy. Don't believe the lie. But rather to pursue a life of integrity. To actually live out what you know to be true. And that will have more influence than all of the scribes and Pharisees combined that you see today. The true powerful influence for the things that matter of eternal things comes when you actually live out what you're calling people to do. That's what you see in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2 when, when Paul gives that example. He says, look, I've lived my life openly before you. You can see by my own integrity. And, and I've called you to these things. And my joy is, is that I'm able to share with you the gospel in my own very self. That leadership and influence isn't something that's distant, but it's very personal. And you can invite people in because you're seeking to pursue the things that you're calling others to do. You know, being an influencer, really, it really begins today. It begins today. Developing integrity in small things begins today. If we want to learn this good lesson from the bad example of the leadership of that day, it begins today. That in your own heart, you're saying, look, I'm not perfect. Absolutely, nobody is. And that's not what Christ is saying. He's saying that, that actually that you just pursue the same things with the same sort of integrity that you're calling other people to. It's not perfection, but it's pursuit. It's not achievement. It's the process of, of loving obedience to your God. Leadership and influence is not for tomorrow, friends. It's for today. It's not something that happens once you graduate from here. It begins and happens here in these moments. You want to think intentionally, specific about your life. Sometimes people, people aren't able and they, don't, they have these pockets of inconsistency because they just haven't thought about it. Develop your integrity today. Find those areas in your life and frankly, you know what they are. You know that in your own heart that you're not committed to the things that you know you're called to and the things that you might be calling to others. It's a dangerous place. And don't let that to move on to another day, but have that to be today. To confess and to welcome others into your life, leaders who can both model and encourage you not to be compromised anymore. And that happens today. And I would encourage you to do that. To see, and, to see and to understand this bad example in the Pharisees and how Christ is turning to his disciples and that us as disciples of Jesus Christ might learn from that bad example and to say, I want to be someone who is, who is pursuing integrity in the small things in my life. And to know that that's what real leadership comes from. That's where true influence comes from. Isn't it true that sometimes the most influential person is not the person who holds a position or a title? Why is that? It's because they live out what they believe. It's because you actually know that when they're talking to you that it's truth because they've tasted of it. 
you get the opportunity to do that. These are the days when you're here during your college years where literally you're surrounded by people all the time. You can't even walk into chapel late without getting caught. (laughs) Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't pretend, but rather say, I want to know and to taste of that. And I want to grow in those things, right? What a wonderful encouragement from such a bad example. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. The second good lesson from a bad example is found found in the next section. And this is the lesson. Don't be motivated by man's praise. Don't be motivated by man's praise. The first one was, don't be compromised by your hypocrisy. The second was, don't be motivated by man's praise. Look at, look at this example from the Pharisees that Jesus is highlighting. Verse 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called by rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, right? Religious leadership was motivated to be affirmed by others. You know what? This is such a dangerous place. This is such a bad example. And to help us to glean from it, because in the end, you can never achieve enough. If man's praise is the highest achievement of somebody's pursuit, you're never going to attain it. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus speaks earlier, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Frankly, the other side of that is, is that if you have man's praise, that's really all you're going to get. And it's actually not that good. I mean, sure, everybody likes an attaboy every once in a while. Everybody likes a thank you note. Everybody likes to be welcomed and greeted. But in the end, we have to admit that it's shallow. That it doesn't rise to to the longing and the satisfaction of our hearts to actually live the way that we're desired. Because in the end, you're like, really? I was put on the planet just to make everybody around me happy? It's a lesser goal. And there are a few illustrations uh, that, that these leaders motivated for man's praise. There's a couple of illustrations here in this passage that I want to highlight, and they're actually not very unfamiliar to us, right? The first one is this, a perception of piety, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a dangerous temptation? To be perceived as more godly than you actually are? This perception of piety, you can see that by the phylacteries and the tassels, that, that they're, all just, they're all just taking a good commandment that God gave and just trying to highlight it in exaggerated ways so that other people would see it. To put a little scripture on, the, on your forehead, right, out of taking a, 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 literary, uh, a literal expression of Deuteronomy 11, 18 that you were to keep them on your head and on your hands and so they would do that But then not just would they do that, but the boxes would get bigger and bigger and bigger I have more word. I have more of the word of god in my head and on my hands, right? 
and the tassels which were to remind you to be holy before the Lord. A simple reminder that's given to, uh, to, the, to the Jews and, and in Deuteronomy to be able to do that. And, and so it was just a great little reminder, but that's like, no, my tassels are longer. I'm more committed to being holy. But yet they do that not, not to please their God, but rather to get praises by men. Isn't that a danger? Don't you see that around you? Don't you feel that temptation in your own heart to actually be and to speak and to live something that's different than what you actually are because you actually just want man's praise over than the small, quiet worship of your God? The other one here is a pursuit of popularity. Pursuit of popularity. That having the, the greetings and the special occasions and, and to have the guests, right? I mean, this scenario, it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this relates to anybody, but you walk into a party, right? And, 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 and in this time that the person who had the most honor would sit right next to the host and, <laughs> and then it would literally go by descending order to the end of the table. That's rough. That's rough, Right? I mean, it's hard enough to go to the calf and not feel like you have anybody to sit next to, let alone, let alone go to a party and you're like, where am I going to be sitting at the table? Where do I go? And so they act in a way so that they can get closer up on the table, not because, not because they love the host, but because they just want to be able to look at the people behind them and to say, I'm better than you, and to look at the people in front of them and to go, maybe I could be as good as you. When you're motivated by man's praise, it's always in relationship to one another. And to seek popularity is actually to just seek your own self-exaltation, to be able to be identified as one that's better than the person next to you. And the last one is the priority of positions. You can see that. They wanted titles. They wanted titles. They wanted names. They wanted, uh, they wanted nameplates. They wanted to be known as rabbi, and they wanted to be known as father. They wanted to be known as teacher. All of those things have, have different contexts that, that we could explore, and for sake of time, we'll leave that alone. But isn't it true that sometimes that there's a desire to move and to, and to fulfill positions, to be motivated by that? to get the job, to get the leadership position. But rather, Jesus was saying that you're not to seek those things, that those are poor examples. The fact of the matter is, is because, is because human, opinion, human opinion actually ebbs and flows, doesn't it? That popularity changes, that, that your character will change along with the times, depending on what room you're in, is the, is the ethic by which you make choices. It's incredibly dangerous, and it's unsustainable. Confessions from a former man-pleaser. Can we just say that in the end, it's unachievable and it's dangerous, because you end up just changing who your character is, depending on what context you're in. And that's not true influence. You can look at somebody and go, you just changed like a chameleon, depending on what context you're in. I don't want to follow that. How much dangerous it is when that person actually proclaims Christ. But rather, but rather, we have the capacity to be driven by biblical convictions, not by a person, not by, not by consensus, 
that you can make convictions, biblical principles that then can move into any single context and you're able to live in your integrity and you have the principles to be able to live out in any single context. You're not, you're not captivated by the opinions of others. You're not driven around by popularity. You, you're, not, you're not driven by the attaboys of your spiritual uh, walk, but rather you're driven by convictions, true convictions, that then make the choices as to whether or not you watch that on Netflix, whether or not you give or you take that class, whether or not you should be in that relationship or not, whether or not you should say that faithful thing to your friend or not. All of those things, if it's dictated by man's praise and approval, you will never ever ever be sustainably an influencer because you're, you're captivated by the people around you but oh how great the promises of our lord jesus christ that gives us his word that i am no longer i am no longer condemned but rather i live freely before jesus christ that I have one master and one king and one Lord. What it says there in, uh, in verse 7, where it says that you have one Lord and one instructor, and that is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who dictates how you should live, not the people around you. And if you're motivated how, in a way to praise and to honor your God, then you'll be able to deal and to walk with and to care and to serve and to influence the people around you. But you can't have eternal influence if all you're looking for is man's praise. Now, some immature people go, well, then I'm not going to take any titles. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm never going to share what I had in my devotions because I don't want to be seen as somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, who's pursuing piety. I'm not going to do all that. You want to know what I do? I'm not going to be a member of my, I'm not going to be in ministry in my local church. I'm just going to serve because I don't want to have a title. That's immature. That's immature. Don't overcorrect the ship. Don't say because, because, I don't, because I don't want to be motivated by man's praise that I absolutely ignore every person around me and don't care about them. But toe the line. It's never been about, it's never been about positions. It's never been about those things, but rather those are contexts for you to actually live out who you are seeking to praise. And it's more beautiful more beautiful so we're able to seek to be motivated out of our conviction and principles that are based in our fear of god look jesus understands because he created us you're gonna fear something you're gonna fear something you're gonna be motivated and to fear something and god has created you to fear him above all things and as you fear him first and foremost, that's the beginning of wisdom, true understanding, which then you can give to others. And that's the last part here, kind of the final lesson, the final lesson that Jesus says here is to be a humble servant. Don't be compromised by hypocrisy. Don't be motivated by man's praise but rather be a humble servant be a humble servant if you want to be one of influence if you want to be one of kingdom impact if you want to be one of which that truly expresses your commitment and servitude to your god that the greatest among you shall be your servant in verse 11 
Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus now is calling them to eternal influence, calling them to the paradigm that really does shape what it means to lead and to care for others, is that you do it from the posture of a servant. But Jesus gives this high call to his disciples to live differently. A servant's only identity and goal is to please his master. And this is the model for leadership, and true eternal influence is the position and posture of a servant. Look, this was the same, this was the same message that Jesus gave to the twelve just a few days earlier in Matthew 20. He just said the, the Gentiles seek to lord over their leadership, but rather you should go and you should serve. Isn't that powerful? Doesn't that resonate with you? That the whole world says that you are to exalt yourself, that you are to proclaim yourself, that you are to protect yourself, that you are to advance yourself, that you are trying to help other people to exalt yourself, but rather Jesus says, I want you to exalt me, and the way that you exalt me is that you serve others and deny yourself. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that? where someone somewhere for, for no reason that you can think of that they served you and the only thing that you could see was Jesus Christ. That changed you. That influenced you. It's because that's the way that you've been designed. You've been designed to know and to taste and to worship Jesus Christ. And true leaders are ones who serve to help their friends to taste and see of that God. And it's in ordinary moments. It's not like in these huge, massive moments. They're in very small moments to show that you are one who seeks to serve your God and not yourself. And when you speak to your friends, when you lead and when you gain influence, that they're able to receive that because they know in the end that there's no self-agenda, but only the one that would promote their growth and understanding of their God. And you can do that in thousands of contexts. Whether you're a business leader, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're an artist, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a missionary, whether you're a faithful member in your local church. That the small moments of life, that beginning that kind of influence doesn't happen after you leave here, it starts today. Think about in your own heart, what are ways and places where you can actually begin to model this today? What are ways that you can serve, ways that you can humble your heart and to reject the things and the promises that your flesh is telling you to self-protect, but rather to run and to serve and to care for others out of your love for God? What are those practical things that you can do? That out of the love for Christ, it's not duty-bound. We're not talking about that you're serving out of duty-bound, but rather out of love. It's the love of Christ that controls us. Not to think of ourselves, but rather for God's sake, for Christ's sake, who has died and raised on our behalf. Galatians 5 talks about that, that you're not supposed to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Look, I want you to maximize your days here. I want you to take these days and to craft what it truly means to live a comprehensive, not a compartmentalized Christian life. 
and to develop into the likeness of your master and to take that investment and to leverage it and influence in any context that the Lord would have you. And you're going to have good examples and bad examples. Today we looked at some good lessons from some bad examples of not to be compromised by hypocrisy and to begin today to deal with those things, to, to invite people in, to, to not to be captivated or motivated by man's praise. There are things today, small ways, where, where you can submit that to the Lord Jesus Christ and then to have a goal because you just can't not do things. you got to do something. And Jesus says, then serve. Take all of your energy that you, would, that you would put into yourself and leverage that into care for other people. And that is true influence. And that is what our Lord illuminates in this passage. And that is what we get the chance to do together by God's grace and in the hearts of one another. Would you consider those things today? Would you consider those examples? And might we all do that together for God's glory and honor? Let me close this in a word of prayer and we'll be done. Lord, I thank you for your word, how remarkably insightful it is, and how we get to understand and to walk through all kinds of examples, and we're so grateful, Lord, for the perfect example of Jesus Christ, who came and who is our servant, who washed the disciples' feet, who literally laid down his life for his friends, and that gives to us not only an example, but actually the power to obey him through the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And might we rest on that today as we reflect, asking you to do a good and refining work in our hearts so that we might, in turn, be of influence of that work in the hearts of others. Be with us towards that end, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.